Welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of Community as a Verb. My name is Connor Kaysen, your co-host here at CIAV, and next to me via the powers of the internet, maybe only for so long at this point by the internet, uh, but he's my unparalleled co-host, Mr. Ooh. Well-Traveled. How are you doing? Unparalleled. Thank you. I like that. Um, <laughs> I'm doing well, very well. Uh, I have great news to announce. I am fully vaccinated. Hey. Me too. Me too. It is a, uh, it's been a long year, more than a year at this point. Um, and just kind of, kind of incredible to think back at April. We're recording on April 17th. Like, I want to start with this question. What were you thinking on April 17th, 2020? And could you even imagine that at a year later, you'd be like, Oh, I'm, I'm vaccinated for uh, COVID-19. That's a good question. So April 17th, 2020, I probably was not thinking about a vaccine at all. I think probably the news was talking about vaccines as in development, but I honestly didn't believe a vaccine would be available by the end of 2020. I thought that was impossible at that time. And if it if it were to be available by the end of 2020, I thought that I would not want it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I I feel the same way. Like thinking back, April 2020 was such a crazy month in general because there were so many unknowns. Cities around the world, everything was shut down. We're seeing all the videos of empty streets, right? Places that are typically packed with people, right? Times Square in New York. Uh, just completely empty. I know I shot a video. I went down to Pike Place Market here in Seattle and the market was closed. It was like the first time the market had closed in a hundred years. And it never had like a day that it was completely empty like that. And it just was a ghost town. Um, it kind of looked apocalyptic, really. And so to only be a year later to have something developed that up to this point, we sounds like is relatively safe uh, and effective, it's it's pretty amazing in in my opinion like it's it's an incredible feat for these doctors and scientists to accomplish this goal and then just the the testing that it takes right you not only have to develop the the product but you also have to test it and obviously we we don't have huge timelines about the test yet uh but it's it's an incredible feat of human ingenuity and innovation to accomplish something like that is extremely powerful and uh, a, a bright light of a year that has not been too bright for many of us. Yeah, definitely. So you now are a year later, you've gotten the vaccine. Um, what do you think about what changed between now and then? So was there anything for you that made you feel more comfortable over time? Uh, with getting the vaccine with with getting the vaccine not so much it i think the big change is just like the amount of information that's come out about um covid19 and it's funny to think back like remember it was coronavirus and now it's like you don't even hear corona anymore um it's like all covid19 uh and thing like how the terms have changed and uh just the amount of knowledge with feeling so much safer being outside, right? And being in the open air, um, having in people wear masks, 
being surrounded by that understanding, like I'm more protected uh, if we're all wearing masks or I'm wearing a mask, uh, seeing the information, I mean, just about how many people have either traveled or gone to places and, and been protected because of masks or the precautions that have been taken. I've just become more comfortable with understanding like uh, where am I at risk and not at risk. Uh, and so I think that has helped a lot. And now with getting the second dose of the vaccine, I think it's still kind of this weird position of, it, it feels like where I was in April, 2020, of just kind of like, I'm not really sure like what's the right thing to do. What's not the right thing to do. We're getting so many different sides of information. Uh, there's lots of different opinions about uh, how people feel about getting it, not getting it, what's safe and what's not, what can we do? What can we do? Uh, who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated. Like, and if you're in a group, uh, how do you manage that? There's still, there's like a new set of unknowns. Uh, but the amount of relief that the second dose and, and being a week after the second dose has been uh, just really fantastic. It is really nice to know, like I'm, if I go into my elevator or I go to the grocery store, like I have this level of protection that I'm not going to go to the hospital if I get sick. Uh, Cause right. That's really, I think what the vaccine is preventing for the most part. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of a new set of unknowns, but it has taken away a lot of the anxiety of what could happen by having it, which is nice. But what, but what about you? How, how are you feeling now? You know, um, I didn't, I would say, have an interest in getting the vaccine initially uh, when we found out in December that there were going to be vaccines available, uh, Pfizer and Moderna. I thought to myself, this seems too soon. I don't think this is ready for prime time. But what happened, I think, over the following months was one, yes, more information, more focus on the vaccine. But I think also in the way that the rollout happened, I started to notice that one, people were getting vaccinated and nothing really happened, right? So people do have side effects, but for most people, they're pretty minimal and they don't last a very long time. And I thought, you know, this actually probably won't be that bad. I think what was also helpful was that I didn't hear of any really severe reactions, right? Like there weren't the the kinds of things I was concerned about where people were would get the vaccine and then suddenly they'd end up in the hospital or they'd die or something like that. There weren't stories like that. Certainly that that has happened to people that they've had such a severe reaction that they have they have died. But it, it just wasn't as um I would say uh, common. And I thought after a while, especially watching family members get vaccinated and friends get vaccinated and they seem fine, uh, I thought, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I did. But now I think we don't know the long-term effects of the vaccine. And I think that's what I think about now more than anything, because almost every week we hear more stories about people who have had adverse reactions and we just don't know what will happen six months down the road for us. So I, th I think about that uh, more, more than anything now. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely that bit of uncertainty and unknown. Uh, and if something crazy were to happen, I guess we're, we're all in this together at this point. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the experience because you and I have been talking about 
how different it is, right? When you when you watch the news or you watch things going on in other cities or uh, other states, everyone's experience is very different on how uh, how the process went for them getting whether yeah. their one dose or their two dose. So so walk us through what's it been like or what was it like for you? Yeah, so I will say my experience was not the same as what I saw on TV or heard about on podcasts that I listened to. I saw these stories about people standing in line for hours trying to get a dose. Um, I saw people who were uh, going and standing in line at places. And while they may not have been um, in the phases, uh, in, in the designated phase at that time, they were trying to get something called leftover doses. And so they would do that. They were all these Facebook groups I heard about popping up, trying to direct people to where that they, they could get leftover doses. I heard about people in Seattle driving across the state, trying to get uh, vaccinated, driving from Seattle all the way to um, the, all the way to Eastern Washington. And that just wasn't my experience. Um, I got it here in Texas and I walked into the community center where the uh, National Guard was giving out vaccines and I was in and out in just 15 minutes or so. It, it, there really wasn't a wait. I mean, it was pretty simple. Uh, the first, the first, uh, vac the first dose was, I think maybe there were like two people ahead of me in line and it was pretty simple. It was fast. And then the second dose, I just walked in, walked out. Like it was, it was so quick. I walked in, there was no one ahead of me in line. They directed me to check in. I went to the check-in station. Then, um, the person at check-in said, go sit over there in that chair. And the person, there was already someone just sitting there waiting to be, to help someone. And it was great. But I think what has happened here is a little bit different than in other states. One, Texas is a big state. Texas has, a, a because Texas has so many people, Texas received a lot of doses. And I think during the phases, what that Texas maxed out the the available population within those phases um, that wanted the vaccine. Because when the phases were first implemented, this uh, phase one, A, B, C, they limited the um, amount of, sorry, they limited the amount of people who could get a vaccine based on age. So they started with, um, I believe 65 and up, and then they went to 60 and up, and then they went to 50 and up. When you look at it that way, Texas actually has a younger population. So the majority of the population actually is under 50, and therefore people were just waiting to be vaccinated. And if you look at that situation at a certain point, right before they opened it up to everyone, I I realized that the lines that I saw at the very beginning on the news, uh, they there were fewer of them. And then there were some provider organizations that came on TV in Houston right before the right before they opened it up to everyone. Um, they said that they were running out of people <laughs> for vaccines, which is not a good position to be in. So uh, I think at that point as well, Biden um, had a, a goal that he put in place to have all um, states allow for uh, vaccines for 16 and up. So Texas implemented that pretty earlier on. I think one of the earliest states to do that, which was good because Texas also lifted the mask mandate, right? Um, so that was good. But then also 
distribution. So part of the distribution strategy was bringing the vaccine to places it hadn't been before. So FEMA came in and helped out and the state also sent the National Guard to different locations. And so it just so happened that I had access to uh, one of the National Guard locations and it was easy to get to for me. But uh, also all of the pharmacies in Texas started distributing the vaccine. So you could walk into a grocery store, for example, and just get vaccinated, which uh, was happening for a lot of people who were um, above 50. Um, and I thought maybe I would go that route, but I didn't because I couldn't get an appointment. <laughs> so it just worked out. Um, but yeah, so that's the, that was my experience. It was like, it was smooth. I was so surprised. It was nothing like what I saw on TV. Yeah, that that's pretty amazing actually, like just how quick and easy it was. And, and like kind of like I mentioned earlier, kind of impressive, right? To to roll it out in that way in a state that is very populated. Um, and you live in a city that is top five most uh, populated cities in the country, which and probably makes it up in the world. It's that's just unbelievable. Um, and so, because my experience was was fairly similar. It it wasn't a crazy thing, but where I really I got jealous that I really wanted one was uh, my wife got on one of the volunteer lists. So this was back when it was snowing. So like this must have been early February. She got like super lucky because every day the vaccination sites, uh, which was pretty much one primary one in Swedish up on Capitol Hill, was getting maybe like 20 to 50 volunteers to help uh, manage the queue in the line get people with registration, all those kind of things. And she happened to get on the list for like, your spot's reserved, you are gonna be a volunteer, you volunteer for like six hours, and then at the end of the day, we'll give you the vaccine. And then I got on the wait list, um, and this was like a daily thing, like we were trying to like get online and grab one of those spots. And I get on the wait list, and they were like, if you're on the wait list, show up, and maybe we'll take some of you extra volunteers to help. So I go with her on the day, She's volunteer. She gets like right in. I pretty much get rejected. They're like, oh, you're on the wait list. Like you can't get in. Go wait out there for 90 minutes. After we get everyone checked in, we will come back to the group of volunteers who, who still hang out and uh, whatever spots we need filled, we'll pick a couple out. So I go and I sit in my car for 90 minutes. I walk back to the check-in space and there's like 50 people there on the wait list, like trying to get on. And, and the girl who's running it walks up and she was like, I've got five spots open. And with 50 people, like we're all distance far apart. So as I'm getting closer to the volunteer, just to hear what she's saying, she's already picked two people. And then the other three people get selected in like a very, like uh, everyone I'm picking a number one out of a thousand Everyone just shout numbers and whoever gets the number like or gets closest, we're going to take those people. Um, very, very uh, unorganized way of going about the wait list. So obviously I didn't get my number chosen. And so I lost out. And when I went home, I was like, wow, I spent like three hours here this morning trying to get this vaccine and when my wife returned home that night, she had hers and I was like, all right, I got to get it. Like I, I just felt like I missed out. Um, and then I think there were, somehow I got accepted and I drove down to Piala to get it. Uh, so this was like a month ago, but I think when they changed the designation and they started to allow uh, all the teachers in Washington, they opened up the portal, but they didn't create a gate 
to stop people. So I got a link sent like from a friend and it was like, Hey, like these vaccination appointments in Puyallup are open to everybody. You can register and get the vaccine. And so I registered, there's no problem. And I went and they didn't, they, they just like, cool. Hi Connor. I'm like, come on in. Uh, it was, uh, I'm, I'm not sure kind of how that happened, but, but it did. Um, and yeah, at that point it was kind of, uh, you know, we need to maximize people using these vaccines. And I went, it was for dose one, it was very interesting because there was like nobody at the site. Like I walked straight through the door to the check-in, uh, didn't even sit in the waiting room, just went straight back, needle in the arm, 15 minute wait. And uh, yeah, I was there for 20 total minutes. Um, and scheduled day two, when I went back for the second shot, line out the door around the corner, uh, just more vigilant. They had a security guard there. They were checking people in. All of the waiting room was full. They had a whole queue. All of the 15 minutes posts were full. Uh, and so it was weird. I was like, and, and I couldn't tell. I know all the phases had opened up. So obviously there was just more demand for the vaccine and maybe just more people felt comfortable with it or the secret got out about them having availability. Um, and the the thing I wanted to point out was just like, how how great all the people working there felt right because a lot of these people are medical professionals who have been in a very complicated relationship with their job over the last year right because dealing with this whether they work in a hospital or some other healthcare facility has just had to have been so complicated with uh and and full of pressure and just to see how many interactions you had in a day with people who are just filled with relief and excitement and joy to kind of like just getting over the hump of like, wow, I'm getting vaccinated. Like the world that I've known for the last year is actually going to change from here on out. And this is kind of like hopefully getting towards the end of the pandemic. Just uh, talking with the the guy who gave me the second shot, he was just like, it's been great these last couple of weeks to work because every day I'm just like surrounded by all these people that are full of positivity. When well, the last year, uh, you weren't getting a lot of that. And so uh, that was kind of one of my big takeaways from the experience was like, I'm glad that all these people working also had a sense of like pride and joy from the interactions they were having with all these people getting the vaccine. Well, yeah, that sounds great. Well, yeah, it sounds like you had a good experience uh, getting it. I mean, I think that's, I think this has been the most chaotic thing I think I've ever witnessed. Uh, the rollout of vaccine, I, I, I definitely didn't think it was going to be a, a process that made a lot of sense, but this was even beyond what I I imagined it would be. We we don't we don't we like chaos in this country very much. So this type of chaos is uh, was expected, but just it just the it's so extreme, right? Like the things that you mentioned, like just having to wait in line for three hours, shout out a number, and like the, because those are the stories that I've heard as well. Uh, but it shouldn't work like that. That 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 makes that makes no sense to me. And, and furthermore. I think being having to get a vaccine in a non-medical setting, that's something I had never had to do before. And that was also like that for me, that was just like odd because I'm showing up to a community center. This is not a medical facility. W what if something happens? Like, what if I do have a reaction? It, this is not where I'm supposed to be treated. <laughs> so I felt I, I felt odd about that part of it, that I wasn't going to a, a pharmacist or I wasn't going to a doctor's office. I was just going to this 
place that it looks like a multi-purpose room. <laughs> it could be, there could be, you know, a, a sweet 16 party in there tomorrow night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just, it was just, that thought was strange for me. I actually thought it was a good use of the, the, the national guard. I said, this, this is a good use of national guard. This is how they, they were very organized. It, I, I have to say, I, that they were organized, they were efficient, they gave good, clear directions where you should go, what you should do. Now, once the shot was an arm, you were on your own. You, you know, that was that was the one thing I can say I didn't. I'm like, no one's even checking to see if I sit down and stay here. Like I could just walk out the door if I wanted to. Um, and I think some people didn't stay there their full time. I left just a few minutes early before, like for the second shot, just a few minutes before my 15 minutes, because someone sat down next to me, right next to me. And I thought, there are all of these chairs here. Why are you sitting right next to me? Like, do you not understand? We don't do that. Yeah, it's <laughs> like wear... decisions. Uh, as guys, we understand like when you go to the bathroom, right? There's like a, a common etiquette about the stalls. It's kind of a similar situation. Like why? Like there's there's so many other chairs to go sit in. Um, some people are kind of oblivious to that decision. Also. I'm like we, we are in a pandemic. We are here getting the shot. Do you not understand this is the point we keep distance distance where is your distance there's no there's no distance so i had to get up I had to and, leave. and so have you heard anything about the mass vaccination sites like we have one here in downtown seattle at the stadiums um and and my wife described it as like going to disneyland like there's queue after queue after queue that they have um right and it's like in this huge space with hundreds of chairs um just like an incredible operation to be cranking through thousands and thousands of people. And how do you keep everyone distance, not only like in the chairs while they're getting the shots, plus all of the people working, right? Like how, when you have a thousand chairs in a big room uh, with a thousand volunteers giving shots, and then you've got to have people running the needles and everything, um, doing all the administrative people checking it in, like just an incredible, incredible process to, organize that and stay organized and keep everyone calm and get through the process. Uh, yeah. The, the way my wife described it, she's like, yeah, that you got one queue and then they checked you in and they're like, now go stand in that line and then go into the next line. And then, you know, it's just like uh, taking you through Disneyland. Yeah. I I've seen those on TV. I, I, I don't, I guess, you know, I, I suppose if that was, that were my only option, I guess I'd go, would have gone and done something like that. I kind of like the, what they have down here are drive through uh, vaccination sites. And I like that idea because then you don't have to get out of your car. You don't have to sit in a, see, I could have avoided that situation with the person sat next to me. I could just have stayed in my car. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good approach because then you're also, when you're 15 minutes are up, you, you know, you go park somewhere, 15 minutes, you're fine. Then you just drive off either. So I, I find that to be the most efficient way to go about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Again, it's still not a clinical setting. You don't normally get a shot in your car. You don't normally get a shot at a stadium, although I think that's a great use of a stadium, right? The taxpayers fund these things, and now they've been used for voting. They've been used as vaccination sites, testing sites. Good use of your, you know, of the space that you have paid for as a taxpayer in that city. Uh, so, but that being said, it, again, these are not clinical settings. So even if you have a reaction, the best that anyone can do for you is to call 911, which is what you would do on your own anyway. So um, I think I think that's the only thing that I think is kind of a that's the part that is, is I guess, 
kind of odd to me that we were we have become so desperate for this vaccine that we are doing things that are so outside the norm. Like, I don't think under any other circumstances you would feel comfortable getting a shot from a complete stranger in your arm. You have no idea what's in the needle, right? You don't know who this person is that's putting this needle in your arm and then you're out the door. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you, you mentioned about like uncomfortable circumstances. We've had plenty of those over this past year. What, how how are how's your mindset changed with now you've received a second dose of your vaccination like what what's going to change and how are you going to go about your life moving forward okay so before the vaccine i thought life like fully vaccinated life would be full of travel like i, I would I, all the stuff that was pre pandemic life i would get back to it immediately and the night that I got the first vaccine, I was so excited because I just knew I could get on a plane again. I could go uh, everywhere in the world that I wanted to go to. And it clearly like that, that sort of euphoria clearly faded, be, quickly faded, I should say, because one, at that point in time, there was nowhere to go. Uh, you know, in the last month, many countries have opened up now to vaccinated Americans. But, you know, a month ago, there weren't many places you could go. And the two places in the world that I want to go that I like going to the most, Canada, one, still closed to Americans, and Brazil, two, which is, has an out-of-control um, outbreak happening with its own variant that apparently it may or may not be able to penetrate your vaccine protection. So we are not advised to go there at this point in time. And everywhere else in the world, I'm just not, not that interested in going to right now. So I realize I'm actually probably not going to get to travel anytime soon. The CDC continues to advise us not to travel even domestically on planes. So as I thought about it, I thought, well, fully vaccinated life doesn't feel that different for me than vac than non-vaccinated life. And I am not as eager, I think, to go back and be in large crowds of people being in closed in spaces with poor ventilation to be on a plane. Being vaccinated to me doesn't mean I get to just run free with no mask on <laughs> because the reality is you can still get the virus. So all of the things we've been doing, you know, pre pre vaccine, we still have to continue to do them. And I don't feel as comfortable as I thought I would be uh, with the idea of going back to the same activities, including travel. I mean, that's big part of who I am, but getting on a plane just isn't that appealing to me right now, unless it's the only option to get somewhere really quickly. Yeah. So it sounds like road trips are in your future. Road trips, lots of road trips are in my future. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's the most comfortable way of traveling for me right now. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I went to the Sounders game last night. It was the first time that I'd been in the stadium in over 400 days since the last game. So the last game I went to was, uh, around like February 29th, 2020, uh, right before I went to Thailand and it, Hey, it just felt good to be back because it'd been a long time. And that's a place that I'm 
this is my 10th year as a season ticket holder for the Sounders. So I'm going there 20 times a year. Uh, and there were only 7,000 people in the 40,000 uh, person lower bowl. And there was in, in our section, there was a couple four rows behind us. And then we had two rows, or I'm sorry, in front of us, two rows behind us uh, with nobody. So like we really weren't surrounded by any people. Um, and it was masks were mandatory on the way in. Uh, it felt relatively comfortable. The only time it was the biggest crowd that I've been in in a long time is like on the, when we're all exiting the stadium, we try to stay a few minutes after just to like let some people go. But there's like one part to get to the exit door where everyone kind of got in close. Uh, and it was like, whoa, this is the most people I've been around in a very long time. Uh, but felt relatively safe being in that big out, outdoor space with only 7,000 people. Uh, one last question, because we're just here at the 28th minute of the show. Um, what, what do you see for the future? Boosters, Vax passports? And any predictions or thoughts uh, going forward about how we're going to identify as vaccinated or not vaccinated? Yeah, I, that's that seems to be where we are now, right? That we have to figure out how to identify who's vaccinated and who's not. I think vaccine passports are in our future. Uh, I uh, have the Clear app on my phone, and Clear is adding a vaccine. I'm not even sure what to call it. I guess it's a type of vaccine passport. I know they're using it right now if you want to travel to Hawaii. I don't know about um, other places. I was wondering about, are they using it with stadiums? Because I know that some stadiums use clear for security purposes. So I was curious if they're going to start using the vaccine um, feature within within the app. I think that would be the easiest one to use. Uh, but anything else would I, you know, I'm not sure like how that would go. But right now we don't have a, a really great way to identify whether someone is actually vaccinated. And I saw a story on the news the other night that people are buying vaccine cards for as much as two hundred dollars to they're not vaccinated people, but they just want to be able to have something to prove that they are vaccinated, even though it's a fake document. I, you know, this is the new world that we live in. And I, I think in the way that the vaccines have been done now, people can't really identify whether they've been vaccinated well, and we can't do it uh, electronically at this point. The other thing, the booster shot question, it sounds like that's in our future too. It's so Pfizer's CEO came out yesterday saying that it is very likely that you'll need a booster shot in six to 12 months. So maybe in six to 12 months, we'll be having this conversation again. What was the booster shot experience like? <laughs> yeah, it, there's a chance it might just be a regular thing, just like getting a flu shot um, that just is going to be part of the, the process. Uh, the whole identification thing is such a complicated issue. Uh, and, and it's just like uh, a, a weird blend because when it goes to, going to other countries, right? Like if I'm planning to go to Thailand and they're going to ask me for a vaccine passport, I'm not going to second guess it. And, and now that I'm fully vaccinated, having the vaccine passport, like doesn't seem like that big of an issue for me. Uh, but yeah. we, we have seen lots of discrimination issues around identification. I mean, we've talked so much about uh, voter uh, suppression related to identification. And so it's just like a really interesting blend, uh, and, and moral, political, social conversation that's going to have to be had. And I mean, just decisions are going to be made. It's going to be very interesting to see, uh, how that all plays out and, and what decisions are made regardless. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad it's not my decision. You know, some States have already banned vaccine passports, so they won't be, um, universal. 
Texas, and, and I think the Biden administration has said that they're not going to require vaccine passports be used in this country. So it won't be fed at the federal level. There won't be a, a vaccine that vaccine passport requirement. And it sounds like at the state level, it will vary by state. Here in Texas, the um, governor has decided that you can't, you he has banned vaccine passports for use in uh, public facilities or state facilities. So that means that you can enter without a vaccine passport, but that does not necessarily mean that a private business couldn't require some sort of uh, identification of, you know, back of your vaccinated status. But to your point, right. Yeah. It, it's going to create challenges and other issues that we haven't, haven't even thought of, but so far, I think, you know, we're in this sort of mixed vaccinated world and this is what we will have to start to deal with this, this, this next, this next phase, which is, um, what is it? What is vaccinated life, long-term vaccinated life, look like? And I think it's going to look different depending on who you are and where you live and the types of things that you're trying to do in, in your life. For example, if you're a college student, I've been reading that many colleges are requiring uh, a COVID nineteen vaccination to attend on campus classes, and if you do not have that, you can be um, put on um, online only study as as a as a way to provide you with the education that you want but or, not or that you pay for that you pay for yeah <laughs> but not actually the full experience because it, a requirement of of being able to have that experience is a vaccination and so if you for whatever reason feel like that's not for you then you sort of you'll sort of be penalized in certain ways you'll be excluded in, a, in certain ways. And we don't, we haven't talked to, we talk about vaccine equity, right? Like in terms of the distribution, we haven't talked about vaccine equity in terms of being fully vaccinated, what that means when someone is fully vaccinated and what they have access to versus when you have, you know, a partial vaccine or no vaccine at all, how your life suddenly looks different and what, what you have access to and the quality of what you have access to, right? So if I have access to all of the university offerings and, you, and I'm paying the same amount of money as you are for, for this experience, but you have less access because you're not vaccinated for whatever reason, then, you know, is that fair? Is that how this should work? It, we have, a, it's a new, a new, you know, equity is not a new space for us because we've always been dealing with issues of inequity in, in this world. But this post, you know, vaccine world, I think, will be a new challenge for us to try to navigate and figure out. And I think for that reason, for many people, it may make sense to get the vaccine because there may be a calculation that people have to make of, about what what type of access they want to things. And, and there are some people who, because of their health conditions, can't get the vaccine. Uh, right. And so there, there are people who legitimately can't get it. Uh, they're not just uh, forging their card because for whatever reason, they don't want to get it right. Like those people need to be protected in a way too, because discriminating against them is when they, actually can't get it is a complicated situation um and it, it's going to be interesting to 
see further about where does your own private health fit into your rights as an American. And I don't think um, our constitution really covers that as of right now from, from what I'm aware of. And so it'll be interesting to move forward. Like, does that get bundled in? Where does that fit and where does that play uh, moving forward in the future? It's going to be an interesting debate. I'm sure we're going to talk about it more in the future. All right. Well, that concludes season two, episode eight of Community is a Verb. Mr. Well-Traveled, thanks as always for joining me here on the internet to create this podcast. Uh, do you got any final words for us? Uh, no, not really today, other than uh, I hear the weather's nice in most parts of the country. So uh, I hope everyone has uh, a good weekend where they're able to enjoy uh, some outdoors time. That's perfect. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>